Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krause. We have a very special show for you today. Instead of the usual panel where we talk about, you know, what color Beyonce's hair is this week, what Justin Bieber's up to, we're gonna do something a little different. There's a show playing in Toronto, it's called Jerusalem. It's at the Streetcar Crow's Neck. You can find that at 345 Carlaw Avenue. And it stars a bunch of people that you know. Kim Coates is here. Nicholas Campbell is here. Uh, one of the stars and the producer of the show, Philip Riccio, is here. And Phil, I'm going to start with you because I love this line. It says that this Jerusalem is a Pied Piper tale for the Tarantino generation. What does that mean? And, and tell me about the show. Uh, yeah. Um... So Jerusalem is a play by a British playwright, Jez Butterworth. It came out about six, seven years ago or so and was a huge hit on the West End and then transferred to uh, Broadway uh, where Mark Rylance, the actor Mark Rylance, was playing the lead in that production. Um, and it's about this character, Johnny Rooster Byron, who is from the small town in rural uh, England. And he's just kind of at some point in his life squatted in a forest and started living in a trailer there. And there are all these ec epic myths about this guy. Uh, he used to be a daredevil, and, and uh, he was a huge kind of celebrity in the town. And as he's aged, he, it's become this, this force has become a spot where all the teenagers in town come, and he sells them drugs and gives them kind of a safe place to uh, party. And uh, what, when our play takes place is uh, the, the town council's decided that it's time for him to leave, and they're going to kick him off this land. So the play is really about this struggle between Johnny Rooster Byron and the town trying to trying to get rid of him. So it's uh, it's really um, a story about you know what connects us to the land that we live on, what our our connection to mythology and legends and and things that are bigger than us, and how uh, modern society comes in and uh, tries to destroy that, and how can we hang on to that? And this epic journey of, you know, really one of the most entertaining, complex, amazing characters I've ever come across in, in theater. It's, uh, you know, the, the scope of, of the play is Shakespearean, but it's, it's very modern and hilarious. And, uh, and so, yeah, at the core of it is this Johnny Rooster Byron. And so uh, I teamed up with another independent company in Toronto outside the March, uh, I run the company, uh, the company theater, and, and so we, you know, the show is so massive that we had to team up to do it. And we thought, you know, for years we were like, we would love to do this play. This is the one of the best plays that we've ever read. But how do you do it without a Johnny Rooster Byron? Like, who in Canada could play this role? There aren't many people who could play it. So, uh, you know, immediately we thought of Kim Coates. We didn't know Kim Coates, so we we thought, okay, what are the odds of Kim Coates doing this play? We, we thought they were probably pretty Less small. Less than zero. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, Phil. You're doing really so, well. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. So I wrote, you know, I, I wrote a letter to his agent, and I, you know, basically said in the letter, you know, I basically just said, I think this is one of the best plays I've ever read. I think this is one of the greatest parts ever created for an actor. I think you should give it to Kim to read because I think he's going to want to do it. And and from our side, we thought, well. If he reads this play and is crazy enough to play this character and take on this challenge, then we have the right guy because it's uh, it's an amazing, amazing uh, mountain to climb. But uh, 
but yeah, I, I've been, I've had the privilege for the last couple of weeks to watch Kim kind of tackle this in rehearsals and it, it's just going to be a really special performance and a special production. Kim, we know you as a, as a, a movie actor, as a television actor, but you played Macbeth at the Stratford Festival, Stanley Kowalski on Broadway, but you haven't been on a stage in 30 years. So this question might have just been answered by Phil talking about how great the part is and the great, but what was it really? I mean, after 30 years, man, that's a, that's a long gap. Yeah, it 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 uh, it's been twenty twenty seven twenty eight years since the last time I I uh, screamed Stella, <laughs> and and I've done all as as you know and and Nick you'll talk to Nick in a minute yeah. all the movies he and I have done go to IMDb it just doesn't stop and it's been a very fortunate hardworking career and I feel very very lucky for how it's all come come together but. I remember when Sons of Anarchy was over, I said to all my agents in America and Canada, okay, find me a play. Mm. It's time to go back to the stage. And uh, I didn't even know what, what that meant, uh, really, to be perfectly honest with you, but I knew I needed to get back to the stage. And shortly thereafter, a um, couple years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, I'm not exactly sure, but Philip and Mitchell Cushman uh, did exactly what Phil said. I got, I, I, and it was called Jerusalem. I thought, well, I I. I, I could be Jewish. I, I thought it was a play about, you know, I didn't know what, what it was about at all. Can I, I can be Jewish. I got, you know, blue eyes and, and the nose, you know, I got this beautiful nose and, 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 and dark curly hair. I th yeah, sure. And all of a sudden, um, uh, my agent said, actually, I, I think we should, you should read it. I'm not sure it's about Jerusalem at all. And uh, as Phil said, it's, it's one of the most amazing plays I've ever read. It's the funniest, funniest play. It's very esoteric to a part of England, which is very, um, the way they talk, their slang. It's a bit like Shakespeare that way. And then it starts to uh, reflect and, and, and make everyone stop a little bit. And then by the end, it's going to reach in and, and sort of take your heart and sort of rip your heart right out. I, I'd never seen anything. So but I said no. I said no right away. <laughs> I said no. It, was, yeah. it yeah. was too big, too epic, too crazy, too much. And uh, they never stopped. And finally, I, I gave it to my daughter, Brenna, who was starring on Broadway at the time, and she read it. And she said, um, Dad, if you don't do this, this part, you'll, you'll regret it forever. So it was really my daughter who pushed me over the edge, and, and Philip and Mitchell and I have been working together pretty solid for a good year. And I went to London, England three or four times over the past four months to study with a, a gal called Claire Davidson, amazing. I went to Pusey, the small town that Flynn Talk is sort of based on. Um, I got to sit down with Mark Ryland. I mean, <laughs> I, I've just, and Danny Crane, who were in the original productions. I've really been so lucky to uh, have all the community of artists reach out back to me when I've come to them. And, and then to finalize this, getting Nick and Danny Cash and, and Diana, Diana and, and my, my daughter and, and Katie and and Peter and, and Christo and, and everybody and, and Karen Sequoia. There's some just incredible talented people in this cast and, and Philip's hysterical as Ginger. And, and here we go. I mean, here we are talking to yeah. you, Richard, and uh, it's on. Two weeks it opens. Uh, Nick Campbell, we, again, an illustrious film and, and television career. And then you went back after 20 years or something yeah. of not having gone on the stage. What's the draw? That gets you back on the stage. Well, Phil Riccio, I mean, they gave me a chance in an earlier production. Yeah. And it was just the one that kind of really put them uh, in the main sort of frame. Uh, it was, uh, I didn't have such a huge role, but I enjoyed it immensely. Festin. 
And then Phil and I, as the director, uh, we worked together again with their company. So that's the kind of material I've been looking for. And I, look, I love the precepts of their company, which stands for the actor, mm -hmm. uh, and trying to do things in rehearsal and in the choice of their material that benefits the actor and brings out the, the things that we do best, which is often overlooked when you're doing uh, more serious, more commercial uh, theater. Well, Phil, and we should mention again, the show is called Jerusalem. It opens February 13th, and it runs till March 10th at the Streetcar Crow's Nest, 345 Carlaw Avenue in Toronto. And you can find tickets at www.jerusalemto.ca. So Jerusalem T.O. Don't forget the, the T.O. And if you're not living in Toronto right now, if you're listening to us at another city across the country, fly in. It's yep. cheap. It's nice here. We got good restaurants. You go see a great show. Well, it'll well, be great. And not, not only should they, but I, I got to tell it, all your listeners that from spending those four visits uh, encompassing the language and the accent and, and the and the beer and the <laughs> beer and the and the pubs and the stories, um, thirteen beautiful Puseyites are flying here to see the play. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not kidding. That's 13. Awesome. Yeah. So, oh my, get ready. <laughs> but I mean, as you said, you know, it's been 30 years since Kim's been on stage and I think he'll probably need 30 years to recover. <laughs> it is a once in a lifetime or once in a generation opportunity. We should take this across Canada. This is something that easy deserves net, to easy, go on further. <laughs> it's the hardest thing to do here. You know, we got a good Canadian production and they very rarely transfer yeah. or go on mm. tour. Well, when I grew up, like the way that I learned, we've just got a couple of minutes left in this segment, so I'll, I'll we'll get back to Jerusalem in a second. But the way that I learned to love theater uh, was growing up in a small town in Nova Scotia, and plays used to travel. Yeah. Like you would, but they'd be at high school gyms. They'd play in different kinds of places, and I don't know that that happens as much anymore. But that's what made me fall in love with seeing theater. I remember seeing Nuala Fitzgerald in uh, Frankenstein with David Brown, and my mind was blown, you know? And, and I got to see that stuff up close and personal. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to see Lear here at the Harbor Front sure. Center in Toronto. And it's three hours long, and it's, you know, they're pulling people's eyes out, and they're doing all kinds of stuff. And it's a small theater, and right across the, the, the stage from me, I could see two little kids, and I thought, wow, they are not going to make it through to the end. By the end of the show, they were sitting forward in their seats, and they were so into it. Wow. And it was amazing. So I wrote great. Colin Mockery, played the fool in it. I wrote him a little note afterwards and said, that was like me when I was a kid watching theater. You just made two lifelong theater fans there. Yeah. And it's so it, it's cool because the, the the idea of live performance, and Phil, we've just got a minute left, but the thing I love about live performance is the idea that it exists only in your head after it's done. It's a memory that you take with you, and I still remember those yep. shows as vividly as they were yesterday. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing about live performance, which we really try to hang on to, is this idea that it is live. Mm -hmm. You know, that show, that performance that night is is going to be different than the yep. one after it. And so that, that group of people who come together that, that evening, they're experiencing something together that it won't ever be recreated exactly in that same way. So I think there's something really cool about that that... Uh, is important to keep going. When we come back, we're going to talk more of my guests, Kim Coates, Nicholas Campbell, and Phil Riccio about Jerusalem. It's at the Streetcar Crow's Nest, relatively new theater uh, yeah. on Carlaw Street in Toronto, 345 Carlaw. If you need tickets, and you'll want them after you listen to this show, you'll want to see this show, uh, go to www.jerusalemto.ca. Uh, when we come back, 
uh, I want to find out uh, just about a little thing you guys are doing, which is kind of cool. You're inviting the audience to a party before the evening performances. Uh, that's something I've not really that's seen Phil's before. Idea, totally. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> idea. It's a great idea. Let people have a couple of drinks beforehand. So when we come back, we'll talk more about Jerusalem with my guests, Kim Coates, Nicholas Campbell, and Philip Riccio. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. Very special show today. Kim Coates. Nicholas Campbell and Philip Riccio are here to talk about uh, a play called Jerusalem. It's at the Streetcar Crow's Nest in Toronto. That's 345 Carlaw Avenue. Uh, check out all the details that you need to know about this, including how to buy tickets at JerusalemTO.ca. It's Kim Coates's first time in almost 30 years uh, on a stage uh, after, you know, Sons of Anarchy, the enormous success uh, of that, and uh, the Goon movies and everything else that you've been up to. Uh, since you've been here last, which was about a year ago, I mm. think, uh, I think you've made two films, you've got this, you've got all kinds of stuff going on. We'll get to all that a little bit later. Um, want to talk about uh, Jerusalem uh, a little bit more, and specifically, Kim, about the character Johnny Rooster Byron. So, uh, if you grew up in a small town, like I did, you knew Johnny Rooster Byron, the guy that could get you a case of beer 24 hours around the clock, the, the, the place where if you happened to be a little bit underage, you could go and hang out and party with that guy. You knew that guy. Uh, tell me what makes him such a compelling character to play. Sure. He, he, he literally, he and his father and his father's fathers come from, they say it's, it's the most forested antiquated part of England. Uh, Somerset, uh, Wilshire, the whole area. Um, Stonehenge is right there. Yeah. It's just mythical. And there's more trees in this particular area than you've ever seen. So the, the, the earth is super important. And this guy is, is a bit of a Pied Piper. He's a gypsy. Hasn't worked in ever. <laughs> um, but the kids of this town they really feel safe with him. They really, uh, it's a forest. It's complete, there's no gates, there's, it's a forest. And if you don't like it, don't come. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what happens in, on this cops, on this, on this land where Johnny's from, is so uh, uh, invigorating and exciting and at times scary. And something happens in the town, uh, Philip was mentioning uh, how the Kennington Avon Council, they've had it. It's over. They've, they've stapled so many things on his door. We're kicking you off this land. You haven't paid tax in 14,000 years. You're done. You're finished. And one of his best mates, um, I'm not sure he even has a best mate, but between Ginger that Philip plays and the professor, uh, they're both here in the studio with me, um, the professor's mind is so full of, of, of history. What he's full of is all the dragons and the myths and, and the saints and, and, the, and the gods. And, and I'm full of uh, stories about giants and it's so like what's happened today. You can't even smoke anymore in a pub. You can't talk. Everyone's on their right. video. They're on their phones. No one's really talking to one another. And this is what completely drives Johnny completely bat crazy. So this play really does start off in, 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 a, in a way that you're not going to believe it. The, the council comes knocking on my door. And when you see me for the first time, you're never going to forget it. And then just strap your seatbelts on for the next three hours because it's absolutely riveting. And it, it, you're it's set in England, so you're performing in dialect the aye, whole thing? Aye, we are. Yeah. Richard, Extreme dialect. The more I look at you, sitting on that chair over there with your pen and your <laughs> ring and your big, your big things on your head, I'm not sure where, where you were born, son, but you mentioned Nova Scotia. I mean... Wow. You know, oh, do good. the accent. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we've taken it pretty seriously. This this whole Wilshire flair. I mean, uh, the professor over here doesn't doesn't speak in Wilshire. He's more just uh, 
received pronunciation. Well, you, lived in, you lived in England. Yeah, I you find the accent I'm doing the hardest accent of all of them. Really? I'd rather do any other accent than and that. And why is that? Because when I studied over there, I was that. Yank, right? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, my Canadians, Americans, we're all the same, just yes. a slur. And uh, so my first my first uh, job, I was working in rep there, and the lady I was working with, I just said about three words, and she stops it and looks at the director. Is that how he's going to say it? <laughs> Is that what he's going to do, the yank? <laughs> and I, I just developed this thing about it. So whenever I had a chance to play an Englishman or something, I just used to freak. Right. Oh, wow. So wow. I said, I took this on because i got to face my demons at some point, you know? Well, you, that, <laughs> we're talking about you studying in England. You were mentored by Laurence Olivier. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he hired me at one point, and I spent a lot of time with him. I yeah, was very, very lucky he, and you called him Sir? Everybody called him Sir. Yeah. Get Sir off the phone. Sir's needed. What's, he, what's Sir doing? Well, I, I love that he told you a couple of things that, that sort of direct or reflect directly back on what you're doing on stage now. He said, get your entrance perfect so the audience can relax. Yeah. And secondly, at some point, perform one bit of stage business that gives them a circus thrill. That's what that's what he did. I don't know what that means. Well, he always built something in every stage performance. The, the last one was, uh, vo uh, not Voyager, my father, the... Um, the man with the with the three sons. Everybody does his play. O'Neill. The bridge. No. Oh yeah, the three. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Anyway, he jumps off the table backwards. <laughs> he was seventy-two. That's the circus thrill. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a rake on these stages. They yeah. like that, and he just launched himself every night off this thing. He did fall a couple of times too, <laughs> but he believed that was what you do. He would go to the point where he would redesign the uh, set to better give his like when he played. Um, that, that French, uh, that revolutionary, Danton, and Danton's death. He re made them rebuild the entranceway so it would make him look grander, bigger. Right. He was very, very peculiar about that. And that's what he lived by. Some must have told him that. It, Philip, when you were putting together uh, the acting company that you have right now, the, the company's philosophy is finding challenging roles that put actors first. Jerusalem seems like an obvious outshoot of that, but what exactly does that mean? Because um, I think, would you think all plays put actors first? Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> you would think so. You're I mean, right. I, I've always believed, and uh, you know, I started as an actor, so I might be biased, but I do believe this. This is like fundamental to what I believe that theater is an actor's medium, mm -hmm. and some people don't think that. You know, some directors have a vision, and they have a vision of the show, and and no matter what the actors do, they're gonna they're they're trying to just get the actor to create the vision that they see in their right. head. Like I Hitch think well on screen Hitchcock did that. Right, the actors I, I, were just like little playthings for him to move around. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think on film it is more of a director's medium because a, a, an actor can give any sort of performance, but the director is going to take that into the editing room right. and create the performance that they want from it. On stage, you know, the audience comes and they sit down, and the actors are the ones that tell the story every night. So I think it's allowing the actor's instincts uh, to to fully be realized every night and. And for a director to really just take what an actor is giving them and shape the overall show from that, as opposed to coming in with a predetermined idea of what it should be. Uh, so that's kind of how I think about it. When we come back with Kim Coates, Nicholas Campbell, and Philip Riccio, we're going to continue talking about Jerusalem. It's playing February 13th to March 10th at the Streetcar Crow's Nest, 345 Carlaw Avenue. Check out tickets and all the other information that you need at Jerusalem 
to.ca. Uh, I want to find out about uh, the party in the woods uh, beforehand that's going to take place before every evening performance. And uh, how do I get tickets for that? So when we come back, more about Jerusalem. Kim Coates, Nicholas Campbell, and Philip Riccio. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krauss. Joining me in studio, uh, the cast of Jerusalem is playing in Toronto at the uh, Streetcar Crow's Nest, 345 Carlaw Avenue. Uh, check out tickets and everything you need to know at jerusalemto.ca. Uh, Kim Coates is here, Nicholas Campbell and Philip Riccio. Nice to have you all here. Thanks nice for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having us. So Mark Ryland originated this role, the role that you're playing, Kim. Uh, you got to meet him, and tell me about uh, meeting him. We know him, I know him, as a as a screen actor from Bridge of Spies and and uh, the GHB, you know, what was it called? The Great Big Monster movie he made giant, with Spielberg, Great Big, great big, big Giants. Yeah. Wolf uh, Hall, did you see Wolf Hall? Yeah, Wolf oh, Hall. Oh, man, yeah. was that so, great. Yeah. So, uh, fantastic actor. Tell me about meeting him. Yeah, he's, he's um, you know, arguably the, the, the greatest stage actor of his generation. Um, he's, he's proven that in film now as well, that he can transfer it to, to film Spielberg. I think he saw his performance in Jerusalem, and that's where Mark just, you know, exploded. He ran the Globe Theatre for 10 years. Mm -hmm. the, the guy's the real deal. And he's the nicest man you're ever going to meet. And it, it wasn't super um, important for me to meet him if I couldn't, but I wanted to reach out. Busy guy. I'm a busy guy. He's a really busy guy. And, and all the research that I was doing in England that I've talked about, um, it came through Mitchell Cushman, uh, Tim Carroll, um, who runs the Shaw Festival, helped us out uh, getting in touch with Mark. And I told Mark, that I, Sir Mark David Rylance, that I was going to be in New York for a little extended period of time seeing my, my daughter on Broadway. And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to meet you. Um, I, all this re research you, you've been doing sounds fascinating. And I so I did, and I spent, you know, a good 90 minutes with, with Sir Mark, who he said, no, it's Mark. It's yes. Mark. Yeah. And so we talked about everything. I didn't get too involving with his portrayal. He's like the brand of Streetcar. I mean, he, right. is the, 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 he is the creator of Jerusalem and won all the awards, I'm sure rightly so. I didn't see his performance, but yeah. he's a brilliant man. But what he got so excited to see... It's a tough play to do. Mm -hmm. They don't do it very much. They, I've done one other pr production, I think, in San Francisco um, a couple of years ago, and and some college little things here and there. But they don't. It's too hard. Too. It's too. It's. It's. I don't know. And so he was thrilled to see that I I had said yes and that we were doing it in Toronto. He loves Canada, and uh, yeah. I'll just say one thing. Um, but I, I I said about halfway through, I said, I got to tell you, I'm 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 really scared us like this part, right? And he goes, Kim, I must say that when we wrapped on the West End, we had five month break before New York. I never slept one night. Wow. <laughs> he was scared wow. to bring this play to New York. So that made me feel good. That yeah. made me, you know, and it, it calmed me down a little. I, I think uh, anyone who sees this play and the tickets are going to be gone. Yeah. So don't, don't fool around. Come and see this play. And when you see it, all the work that we've all done collectively together, it's a huge undertaking. And Jez Butterworth is brilliant, and the yeah. story is brilliant, and the story is so riveting, and you're, you're, you're never going to see something like this again. It's an incredible play. And uh, when you meet someone like that, you really do have to kind of put his work out of your mind, right? Because you still want to make this your own. 
Yeah, I, I, I never saw it, you know, yeah. so I can't. All I know is I've seen the photos, and he's yeah. playing Rooster, and there's a very physical uh, presence about this man, and, and my chest is, is sticking out like a rooster, yeah, and I've, yeah. we've got a bad, bad hip because we were an, a former stunt uh, man and had busted bones everywhere in his body, and, and he just stood up in, in his dressing room and just started walking around like him. He was trying to remember what it was like to because it's been so right. long ago, and he's done so much since, and just... Just to watch him yeah. strut around and, and get that little voice going on down here. <laughs> yeah, it, right. it was in, it was incredible for me. So yeah. no, I, I don't. I I think this was like him, you know, passing the baton to me, and and I'm gonna take it now, and, and we're gonna make it our own. And and uh, his 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 biggest regret is he's not gonna be able to see it. He's on Broadway right now in the, in the finale in the King, so he he won't be able to see it. But he really wanted to. So I just I love that guy. He's amazing. Phil, tell me about the parties beforehand. Yeah, so um, Mitchell Cushman, uh, our director, runs a company called Outside the March, and, and their their main thing is immersive theater. Mm-hmm. They're known in town for doing shows in unusual spaces and, and having the show really kind of be a, a more of a interactive experience. Right. And so when we decided to do the play, the the agreement would be, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, you know, the sort of the core philosophies as much as we can of each company. And so Mitchell's idea was the play opens after a night of one of the biggest parties of the year and that that rooster is <laughs> has thrown and of course my character ginger wasn't invited which i'm still <laughs> very bitter about but there's a nice story as to why when you see the play you yeah. see why <laughs> go ahead uh but yeah so they've had this huge rave this huge bash the night before and, th- and that's what the play opens the morning after so mitchell's idea was why don't we show a bit of of that rave that's awesome. and so as as audience comes shows up to the theater as they enter take their seats or whatever they can grab a drink and the rave is going on there's a, a 30 minute pre-show that's optional to come see it before the show you can just and it's uh, we have a group of accomplice uh art, artists who take part in this rave uh, a, a bunch of really talented young artists in town and uh yeah, I haven't seen any of it yet, but I've been hearing stories of their rehearsals and, and their ra- <laughs> it sounds like they're getting close to what this party was was really like. So I think that will be cool. And and the other element of it is, you know, we're doing this huge play, Jerusalem, in, in a very intimate space. Yeah. Crow's, Crow's Nest is only, you know, it's just over 200 seats. Mm-hmm. And we did that on purpose because I, I think we'll be able to tell this story in, in, in a much different way than they were able to on Broadway. And, and I think the audience is really going to feel like they're in the forest yeah, with us. Yeah, because the audience is sort of around you on two sides. Is that right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's a th- all three sides. It's three, uh, three, all three, three sides. Four, wow. Three of the four sides, yeah. But it's yeah. almost like performing in the round. Nick, that's, that, is that intimidating, like having seeing the audience, having them that physically close to you? No, no, it's actually more exciting. Yeah? Yeah, well, that's very good. I mean, I think you'll walk into this theater and you'll feel you're on the fourth floor. Yeah. yeah. And so there'll be a relaxation about it. I've done stuff in the, with the Pross Arch is way more scary. Right. Because it's, they're sort of lit and it's sort of like a big monster out there. Something goes wrong. <laughs> but when they're that close and you can I almost feel them breathing, uh, you can relate to, uh, between characters in a more interesting fashion. You did a lot of theater years before you started making James Bond movies and all that stuff that you did before then, was there anything that, that felt sort of, I don't know that this is experimental. It's not really, but it's immersive. It's a, it's got a, a very modern kind of feel. Did you, yeah. did you work on anything like that before, or are we seeing sort of an evolution of Canadian theater here? Well, I don't know. Canadian theater has always been quite um, uh, investigative and, and brave. Uh, and in Toronto, they've earned their audiences. Yeah. So I think, no, this is a continuation of a lot of good work that's come before us. 
And uh, I think that even audiences will, won't be surprised by things they see in this. What they will be surprised by is the size of the cast, yeah. with the exception of maybe Lear. Most plays are two or three people at yeah. most, right? Or often just one. So for me, the, one of the most exciting aspects of this is having like 14, 15 compatriots out there. It's just something I haven't had for a long time. I was amazed at the cast in Lear, how big it was, yeah. considering that, mm. that the theater was relatively small. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but Kim, one of those cast members is your daughter, uh, Brenna Coates. She was on, uh, or just off-Broadway with The Wolves, and mm -hmm. she's performed in New York all over the place. Tell me about working with your daughter. Is she just another cast member, or is... That's or, a great, that's just such a great question. I mean, being a, a father, and Nick, you know about this, and... Philip, you're, you're too young to even think about children. <laughs> he looks like he's 17 with a cut chest over there. He doesn't, he doesn't even shave for <laughs> sake. I, I, look, look, my daughter, Brenna, uh, and, and both these guys know her now. Yeah. Um, she's been an actor her whole life. Yeah. She knew it early when she was four, five, six. She would watch her father. And, and she did it the way I did. Theater. Right. Improv. Theater. Dance. Voice. Theater. And doing, doing no commercials, no this, no just theater, just flat out. And she went to an all-girls school in Pasadena, so she had to play all these incredible male parts. Uh, they wore wigs and right, of course, yeah, all girls, yeah, yeah. right? So, so um, she she uh, went right to NYU, four years, got her you know got her degree, and she did a reading of this play called The Wolves in her senior year, and it was so good that they decided to do one performance, and I went to it. I've, my wife and I try and see all, all of her stuff, and yeah. I do see all of her stuff. And uh, flew in, saw this play at NYU, and it blew everyone away. And I knew then, that night, that this play had a chance to go somewhere. It's about nine girls, soccer team, uh, in high school, about to go to college. And 90 minutes, just like a soccer game, 90 minutes, no intermission. Yeah, yeah. Um, I won't go on and on, but this play, you couldn't get tickets in Poughkeepsie. You couldn't get tickets at the Duke Theater. You couldn't get tickets at the Lincoln Center. It was sold out for a year and a half. Like they, they, they you know, they, they won an Obie. They won a Drama Desk Award for wow. ensemble cast. Yeah. So Brenna, and she went to La Jolla, uh, where Des McEnough ran. All that. Well, you know what? We're going to wrap it up. Yeah. We're going to we're going to come back and continue talking about her on the other side of the break. That's Kim Coates talking about his daughter Brenna. Uh, Nick Campbell is here. Philip Riccio. We're talking about the play Jerusalem. Stay with us. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Richard Krause. In studio, Kim Coates. We're going to hear more about his daughter, Brenna, in just a few minutes. Uh, Nicholas Campbell is here. Philip Riccio, they are the stars, and Philip is one of the producers of Jerusalem. It's at the Streetcar Crow's Nest Theater, 345 Carlaw Avenue in Toronto. Uh, if you want more information, check out JerusalemTO.ca. Uh, ben Brantley of the New York Times calls this play a great frame-busting play that thinks big, transcendently big. That's pretty big praise from the biggest theater critic in uh, in in uh, New York City. Uh, Kim, you were just talking about your daughter Brenna. She's in this show, and uh, and the question was originally: Is she another actor in the show, or is she your daughter and an actor? It's it's been a phenomenal experience for me to see uh, Brenna work. I, I'd never we're acting together. Yeah, we've never yeah. done that before. I actually. I don't see Brenna. I see Tanya. Yeah. I really do. And see the character Tanya yeah, that she plays. And yeah. and and Katie, uh, who plays P, these two girls are 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 a force together. And 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 Peter and, and Christo, I think you guys will agree, they're a force. Yeah. These four young kids who are co leads with all of us in this play. To watch them work and to immerse with the with the language and, and the accent and what they do is so funny and it's funny. just oh, it's just it's just great. So, dad, daughter, pretty proud. I, I just want to say one thing about, about the Crows Theater, right? This, this stage, it's 
like you said, really new. Yeah. Year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. They finally just finished their restaurant. It's just opened this past mm, Christmas time, really. Yeah, yeah. Fall, Christmas, right? They're so excited to have us. This is such a different show. I don't know how Philip and Mitchell are affording to do this show. <laughs> um, it's 14 characters. Um, but th there's no denying that there's never been a play like this mm -hmm. ever before here. And I think that alone is something that, that really got my juices flowing. And to be home for me, Canadian boy, I was so yeah. proud. Working with Nick for the fourth or fifth time, meeting Philip. I'll tell you what, uh, it's really exciting. Well, Philip, one of the things that you're doing here, I think people will be struck by, is that you've cut an Airstream trailer in half. We actually had to cut it into seven pieces. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, cent, you know, the, the centerpiece of the set is Rooster's trailer that, right. he, that he lives in, in the woods. And so, you know, that was easy enough. We, we searched online and we were like, okay, well, we've got to buy a trailer. And we found the perfect trailer. It was a few hours out of town. We went, we bought it. Uh, and then uh, we realized it's not going to fit in the theater. How, how would we... <laughs> We can't get into the theater. Literally so th can't get it through right. the door of yeah. the theater, right? Right. Yeah. We found our trailer. Oh, it's not going to fit. <laughs> yeah. The place so in I, the I, I think we had to hire, I don't know, we had to hire a team of, uh, of uh, scientists and physicists. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what they did. but they, Someone with a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, you know, they are very accurate in terms of like, okay, these are the sort of pieces we got to put together. I think we, we might sell it as like a puzzle that we sell after the show that someone can buy and put together. But yeah, we have it in the rehearsal hall right now, and it's, it's awesome. But Brilliant. yeah, we got to take it apart again and, and move, move it in the theater one, one piece at a time. Yeah, it's a pretty brilliant design team. Is that's going to be very exciting for the audience when they come in and see yeah. what they've created here? That's yeah. something else. Something else. I can't wait to see it. So, Nicholas, I wanted to talk to you about Da Vinci, and and, and post Da Vinci because there's a couple of great stories here uh -oh. that I've read, <laughs> and and so people uh, will no. come up to you and ask for advice. After Da Vinci was over, and, uh, and one oh, guy. Oh, yeah, I do get that. Yeah. Well, and this story just made me laugh so much when I was reading it. So, a guy would come up to me and say, My son, he's smoking pot. I wonder if you can have a word with him. And then, as written in the newspaper, Campbell says, smiling, uh, I'll tell him, uh, Sir, I'm an actor. You confuse me with the character on television. <laughs> but if your son has good stuff, I'll be glad to meet the young man. <laughs> I get that a lot. I'm sure it happens. I get right? that a lot. Would you come and talk to my kid? Well, I'll speak to the coroner. <laughs> I, I hope it's not in the wrong circumstances, but he's an ex-cop. You can tell your kid a few things he's got to know. <laughs> well, I, I won't name it. I won't name any names. But uh, uh, the characters in the play take a lot of drugs, and there's one person in the cast that we always go to to find out. Okay, well, what what would this drug do to you? Uh, exactly, like in 30 minutes in, what's happening to you? Seven now? years in the downtown east side of Vancouver. Yes, I picked up a few things. You picked up a few. Yeah. Uh, pointers for I the people. Have, I right. have, yeah. <laughs> and, and Kim, how, now now that Sons of Anarchy uh, has has run its course, do people come up to you and and expect something from you that perhaps you're no. not? No, they're just scared of me. They, just, they, yeah, they, they, yeah. they, they don't they pick run, fights with you. They a lot of tough guys. They, they pick fights. They with run them. away screaming. Good, <laughs> good, good. That's good. To hear. No, they they all know that it's over, and that was a great run, and it was seven years, and it was a big hit. It's been three years, got three years now since it's been over, so. I've done a lot since then. It's yeah. all good. I, I don't mind being recognized as Tig Traeger. Yeah. Um, I'll have that forever. But I, it's all—it's been time to move on, and we all have, and it's, it's a great time right now. Yeah, yeah. 
And and this is one of those things. This is one of those career busting things, right? There's, or or, or it could co- be a busting, career changing <laughs> things, right? Uh, yeah. Something that really may never work well, again. Well, no. I, listen, I, I just went to see Elvis Costello a little while ago. And, oh yeah, sure. And, and on on his Imperial Bedroom tour, he's a, a guy that could do a greatest hit show, hour and a half. I'd pay 150 bucks to see that and leave really happy. But instead, he plays for two and a half hours. The songs that are old songs you don't recognize because he changes them up and is constantly tinkering. The second half of the show, he was reading lyrics off an iPad because he had just written just them. It. Isn't that amazing? Like, and, yeah, and I thought, That's here's so a guy amazing. who's pushing himself still. Yeah. At a time when he could just sit back and do whatever he wants, really, uh, he's still pushing himself as an artist. And I think that, you Thanks. know, for you, Thanks. this is something, I mean, three hours, back on stage after 30 years, all that stuff, this is this is something well, that is pushing yourself creatively. It has the, to be. Uh, all, my, all, all my buddies in Hollywood, everyone just went, what? what? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I, I'm just going to tell you one thing. <laughs> it's and, so and big, this part. You yeah. have no idea. Last night, at the end of rehearsal, we actually ran the third act. And I got to tell you something, Richard. I, I had never read the last two pages of what Johnny has to do. I've right. read it. I've read it. I've right. studied But I've never performed it. And I had my glasses on. I still had the script in front of me a little bit. What happened that everyone shared, what happened to me was a bit of a, 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 an eye-opener of, I guess, the work that I've put into this without, without talking about it or, right. or sharing about it. We just come and they... My, so, so stuff's starting to happen organically because you're inside the head of a character. Uh, it, it was already happening organically. I'm just saying that the end of the play did something to me uh. on stage yesterday that, that was, I'm glad it happened now. <laughs> because it was uh, pretty, uh, uh, it was an internal feeling that I, I have not, and this is why I said yes to doing this play. So here we go. It's I hope people come and, and get tickets because they're going to be gone real, real fast. The show is called Jerusalem. It's running from March 13th to, uh, or February 13th to March 10th at the Streetcar Crow's Nest, 345 Carlisle Avenue. Find out about tickets at Jerusalem TO. Don't forget the TO, JerusalemTO.ca. Um, all of you. Uh, have spent a considerable amount of time on stage, maybe not recently, but Nick and, and Phil certainly. Um, can you look back just in the last few minutes of the show and and tell me uh, one of your most memorable times on stage? You know, whether it was the first time you walked out on the stage and heard applause, first time you made somebody laugh, the people in the front row that inevitably have the little candies that break your conversation when they're unwrapping them. Is there anything like that that you can share with us? I mean, I don't have anything specific like that, but you know, I'm I'm in a privileged position. I started I started company theater with Alan Hawko, and mm-hmm. since then, and, re- and really, for me, the highlight is who I get to work with. Right. You know, like I get to produce a play, and have Kim Coates and Nick Campbell in it, and get to be on stage with you know two of the best actors in the world, and that for me has always been the most special thing. Is when I look back at the work that I do, it's always about. You know, I kind of pinch myself and say, wow, I can't believe I got to act with that person. You know, I, I got to. And, and I have there are a million moments when you're on stage with another actor and when you're working with the best actors in the country that you just that something will happen that was unexpected, intense, something that just kind of blows your mind. I, I get that on every show. I've been getting that every day in rehearsal now. We're just watching Kim and Nick work. It's 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 amazing. Nick, anything come to mind? Oh, yeah. There's one time in, <laughs> in Kingston, Ontario, 1972. It's the uh, 
Russians playing Canada in the uh, uh, Super yeah. Series. Uh. And I'm opening, my first part was Charlie Brown, your good man, Charlie Brown. Wow, wow. So we get to the end of the first act, gotta get this stupid kite to fly. <laughs> and then we come out for the second half of the show, there's not a soul in the audience. I thought, what did I do? <laughs> did I sing the wrong song? Was Snoopy taking his pants down again behind me? What was going on? Oh, no. They were, everybody's worried that Russia was going to be Canada. They all went home. <laughs> they <laughs> laughed. Wow. So that was my first experience there. Jim? Yeah, no, just this play. Uh, yeah. It's great to be back on stage again. And I think for me, it's been phenomenal to see guys like like Philip and I kind of open the play in a way and his accent yeah. and, 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 and the way he and I are kind of like uh, brothers at arms with our sound. That blows my mind. It's and, funny. And, and Dingle Ball's over here. When he, when he comes on the stage, which is shortly thereafter, he's my kindred spirit. He's yeah. Johnny's kindred spirit. Yeah. And then the kids show up. And then, and then the Kenneth and Avon show up. And then the, the craziness of what we do. For me, uh, um, it's just great to be back on the stage. It's unbelievable. Listen, you're going to have a chance to see Kim Coates, Nicholas Campbell, and Philip Riccio on stage at the Crow's Nest, or no, the Streetcar Crow's Nest, 345 Carlaw Avenue from February 13th to March 10th. Is there a chance that this show will go longer if, if and when? Well, it's going to sell out. So if it sells out, can we keep uh, everybody around for a few extra weeks? Uh, there's a chance. There's a chance that it might go a little bit longer. Right. Uh, we can't, uh, but it, it, it won't go much longer, unfortunately. There, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, Everybody's the busy. Too get busy, your tickets now. We'll get, see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you can get tickets. Uh, at JerusalemTO.ca. Um, I can't wait to see this, guys. Thanks so much for Thanks coming in. This has been you. really fun. Thanks. Yeah, um, it really was. Yeah, the show is, uh, the show promises to be incredible, and I can't wait to see what you do with it. And, you know, uh, three hours of Kim Coates, Nicholas Campbell, and Philip Riccio on stage, that's good enough <laughs> for me, man. I'll be there with bells on. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Thanks so much. Fantastic having us.